I hope everybody's doing well this morning. We are in uh, week four. Next week will be our last week. And uh, when, when we began this series, uh, Rod asked me if I could give him like an, an overview outline of where we would be going. And, uh, and I kind of had in my mind an outline that I was thinking, um, and I'm glad I didn't give it to him because it's, it's totally changed. Uh, every, every week, it seems like I change what I'm going to do. Uh, so uh, we are going to be looking at uh, the clarity of Scripture today. Uh, technically second characteristic, uh, four characteristics of scripture total. Uh, we're going to look at the second one. We did authority the first three weeks, which I think makes sense in light of the fact that that is the primary one. Um, and, uh, so we're going to look at clarity today. Lord willing, we'll do sufficiency and I'll probably say something about necessity, uh, next week. So let me, let me start by praying though. Father, we thank you uh, again for your word. Lord, we thank you that, um, that it's accessible. We thank you, Lord, that uh, when we come to it seeking understanding, um, you give us that understanding. Lord, we thank you that, that even children can understand your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us today uh, not only learn more about your word, but, Father, I pray that you would help us um, see our need for it, our great need for it, uh, Lord, that we, it would be a burden on our hearts to, to know your word more. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just give us understanding and give us hearts that are, are um, moldable and shapeable in your hands. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Are some things best left to the professionals? Um, when my senior year in college, y'all are getting all my college stories, hope that's okay, in my last semester, I was pretty much done, it was going to be an easy semester, I was excited, uh, so this was back in the day where you actually physically had to show up for registration, anybody remember that? Um, and you also, you had to have uh, classes that you needed, but you also had to have options because you're making a decision right there and you would sometimes get in a situation, depending on how early you were, where the class was full and you had to make, you had to have some option B and an option C and sometimes an option D. Um, well, I needed one elective and so uh, I had I think I had an elective, maybe two options. I don't remember exactly, but so I'm, I'm registering. It's, it's a hustle. You walk into this room, and there's tables spread out with uh, usually students working behind the tables helping you register, um, and, and I walk in. I go up, wait in line. I get there, and the elective that I wanted or electives, I don't remember, uh, were full. Those classes were full. So I had no more options, and I had to make a split decision, uh, right, because you don't want to come back later and re-register. So the girl, she was a student, uh, the girl that was helping me um, was like, hey, take this class. It's a blow-off class. And I was like, great, sign me up. Blow-off, that's what I want. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Anybody need a handout? Right, right here. Thanks, Denny. No, there's some up here. So I signed up for this class. I, you know, looking back, I probably should have thought better about this situation. Uh, so the class she recommended was Accounting 3302. Um, I was not an accounting major. I was not a math major. Uh, and so, uh, but she assured me that this was a blow-off class. The professor was really easy so I get into this class, and about a week into it, I realize I, I'm in trouble. Um, I didn't even understand what she was talking about, the professor. Like, she was throwing out business accounting things, and, and I'm, I'm, it's going way over my head. So I finally made an appointment. I went to her office, and I was like, look, uh, I'm really struggling in your class. And she was like, well, have you had this class and this class and this class? And I was like, no. And she said, well, those are prerequisites. And I was like, well, I didn't have them, uh, but I'm here now. <laughs> so, so she starts handing me textbooks. 
She was like, well, you need to read this, you need to read this, because I can see why you're lost, uh, because what we're covering assumes you have all of this other knowledge. Uh, and so uh, that was the hardest class I think I had in all of school, and it was supposed to be an easy elective class my last semester. Um, and I would say that if you're uh, in, in, if you have a business of your own, uh, yes, there's probably some things that are best left to the professionals. Uh, I, I worked so hard in that class and like barely squeaked by with a C. Um, the last three weeks we've been looking at truthfulness in Scripture, that God speaks, He's truthful. God, God's character is reflected in His Word, and the two go together, and we're going to see that today. Uh, clarity of Scripture uh, is tied to the very character of God. God is an effective communicator, um, and he wants, the fact that he's given us his word, he wants us to know him. He wants us to understand. Uh, and so, as an effective communicator, he gives us a word that is clear. Um, before the Reformation, this was not the position uh, of the church. Uh, before the Reformation, I'm going to read you uh, the uh, uh, current uh, catechism of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, and it, this was true before the Reformation, probably even more so. It says this, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the Word of God, whether in its written form or in the form of tradition, has been ex, uh, entrusted to the living teaching office of the church alone. Its authority in this matter is exercised in the name of Jesus Christ. This means that the task of interpretation has been entrusted to the bishops uh, in communion with the successor of Peter, the Bishop of Rome. That's from the uh, Roman Catholic uh, Catechism. In other words, uh, leave the Bible up to the professionals. Uh, was pretty much, but prior to the Reformation, the Reformation, by the way, all four of the characteristics of Scripture we're looking at, came out of the Reformation. They were a response, basically, to the Roman Catholic Church's teachings. Um, and so, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, on the one hand, said it's the, uh, the Bible interpretation, the authoritative interpretation is given to the church, um, and, and we, basically, that's why you would have, uh, in church services, the Bible was read in Latin, even though 99% of the people sitting in the congregation didn't understand Latin. Um, they believe that the Bible was uh, difficult, too difficult to understand by the average ordinary person, um, and so uh, it's better left up to the professionals. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this regarding the clarity of Scripture. All things in Scripture are not, are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and open in some place of Scripture or other that not only the learned but the unlearned in a due use of the ordinary means may attain to the sufficient understanding of them. So you have these two uh, statements regarding Scripture. On the one hand, you need to leave it up to the professionals. It's the duty of the church office that, it, that was given to interpret the Scripture, and that's the authoritative uh, position. On the other hand, you have the Westminster Confession of Faith, which, was, which flows out of the Reformation tradition, uh, and it says that, uh, that the Scripture is plain so that the ordinary person uh, can understand the teaching of Scripture. And so, uh, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're dealing with with the issue of clarity of Scripture. Um, the, you may have heard the term perspicuity of Scripture. It's basically the same thing. It's just not as clear as the word clarity. Um, so we're going to stick with clarity. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, and the, really, the question that we have is who should or who can interpret the Bible? By the way, the fact that um, you have a Bible today in English um, is a result of largely the, what the, what the position the Westminster Confession takes. Um, key idea here, and we're going to get to the definition, is the Bible is clear enough that it can, it's able to be understood by ordinary believers. 
And you'll look at your outline and you'll see that um, we, I have a definition. Then I, we're going to look at how Scripture affirms the definition. But then there's probably the longest section is the qualifications of the doctrine. Um, and not to get too far ahead too soon, but the clarity of Scripture, this position, this doctrine can be misunderstood. Um, we're not saying that everything in the Bible is easy. Um, and we'll, we'll, let me not get ahead. We'll get there when we get to the qualifications. Definition. The clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. Um, this is Grudem's definition of, of the clarity of Scripture. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, he, um, his <laughs> he really, I think, struggles with the word clarity which I understand why, uh, and we're, again, we'll get into that. I'm jumping ahead. Let's just look at what Scripture affirms. Number two, Scripture affirms that it is to be understood. Um, when we look at Scripture, the I, no one would walk away, when you read your Bible, no one's going to walk away generally thinking, wow, this is way too difficult. Um, most people cannot understand this. It's written in a way, and it's actually given in a way, where, um, whereby even uh, um, ordinary or children can understand the teaching of the Bible. And that's what we see that it affirms. Uh, when God gave, for example, the Ten Commandments and the law, the whole law, uh, it was to be read to the whole assembly, to everyone, uh, including adults, children, everyone. No one was excluded. The law was read. Uh, and there was an expectation that they would obey the law. When the fact that God holds people accountable for disobeying implies that he, he gives the law in such a way that everyone can understand it. Uh, they didn't need the priest to uh, read the law and then come up with some interpretation. In fact, usually when the Pharisees did that, they got it wrong and Jesus ended up correcting them. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Deuteronomy. We're going to look at a couple of passages in Deuteronomy. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 6. This is a passage you're probably very familiar with. Uh, you may even have it memorized. We're going to start uh, chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. Now, verse 6, And these words that I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to who? Your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Um, and he goes on to talk about uh, basically that the word of God should be a part of every day of your life. So these, these words that I am giving you should be on your heart, and you should teach them to your children diligently. Um, the fact that uh, you're, you're, we're commanded, or Israel was commanded here to teach their children the law, assumes that it was written in such a way that children could understand it. Um, again, children would have been a part of the reading of the law. Uh, they would have been in the assembly when it was read. And you think about... Um, Think about how you communicate with children. Um, you're going to, if you're, for example, if you're down the hallway teaching children Sunday school, your methods, the way you communicate is going to be a little bit different because children often require a simple uh, and understandable um, teaching. They, they want it clear so that they can understand. And a lot of times we'll use metaphors or we'll use analogies to help them understand more difficult things. Uh, but the fact that they want simple, direct answers, uh, and, and, and the implication of this passage in Deuteronomy is that uh, you're talking about everyday life, right? This is a part of all of your life. When you walk, when you lie down, when you're on your way, all of these things we should be talking about with our kids and teaching them what God, who God is and what He demands or commands or expects of us. Um, and so the implication is, is we're talking to our kids about marriage. We're talking to our kids about friends, how to choose friends. Uh, we're talking to our kids about how to work. 
I mean, all of these things are included. Uh, we're to give, in a sense, God's view of everyday life. Not just about God himself, although that's, that would be key also, but it's everyday life that we're teaching our kids. You think of the book of Proverbs, so much wisdom. So it's, it's biblical ethics. It's also wisdom for making choices that aren't always black and white. Uh, and so we're, we're teaching these to our kids, and the idea is that the, the, the Word of God is understandable. It's, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be interpreted by, uh, by an expert. Turn over a couple of passages to Deuteronomy 30. Uh, verse 11 it says, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it? But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and is in your heart so that you can do it. Again, the idea is God's not putting it out of our reach. He's not giving us something that we have to have someone else interpret for us. Uh, he's, he gives us a commandment. He gives us his word. And, and the things that he gives us are understandable because God is seeking to communicate clearly. And he is an effective communicator. Um, we're, we're not so effective. Um, we can miscommunicate a lot. Um, I mean, it happens frequently. If you're married, it happens more frequently. Um, but it happens frequently. We miscommunicate. We don't always communicate. But God is not like that. God is an effective communicator. And when he communicates, he communicates clearly and effectively. Um, think about also, uh, you don't have to turn here. You can write this down. Psalm 19.7 It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. I think we looked at this last week or the week before. Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Again, the idea of the Word of God making wise the simple. So if, if a simple person can become wise, and, and sometimes a simple person can be more wise than a teacher. Um, so the Word of God has the ability, it's understandable, and so even someone who is simple can gain wisdom and gain practical knowledge in how to live. Psalm, 19, one, uh, Psalm 119, verse 130, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, the word of God gives us, uh, gives us uh, information on how we are to live our lives. The idea here is that it's a metaphor, and we're walking on a path. Now, why do you need a light? When do you need a light, a flashlight? When it's dark. When it's dark, you need a flashlight because you can't see where you're going. This is a metaphor. So the idea is, if I'm walking down this path, this path is obscure to me. I can't see it clearly. And so, morally speaking, I don't know what step to make or when I'm going to step in something that's going to make me fall or, or trip or whatever. And so the Word of God acts as a flashlight. It lightens my path. It clears up how I am to live, how I'm to walk. Again, it, this is all a metaphor. Walking here is living your life. Um, without the Bible, things are murky. Uh, morality is murky. What's right? What's wrong? We don't know. Left to ourselves, we're a mess. But the Word of God is a light. It, it gives clear direction in the way we should go. It's understandable. Um, there's a similar emphasis in the New Testament. Um, you think about Jesus' interactions with people. You know, a lot of times Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees and by other people or people asking him genuine questions. You think of Nicodemus um, or the rich young ruler. Some people came up to Jesus because he was a very popular teacher, at, you know, as, he's, as his ministry is growing and so some people came up and asked him questions, and some people came to trick him. The Pharisees typically uh, came with bad motives and asked him questions. 
But in all of Jesus' interactions with people who are questioning him or challenging him, he never blames the Old Testament for being obscure. He never says, yeah, I see your problem. You know, the Old Testament's really hard to understand. The blame is never put on the Old Testament. He usually, uh, not usually, he assumes that people uh, have the ability to understand the Bible and understand it correctly. So he'll say things like, have you not read what David did? Or have you not read in the law? Uh, normally, when, when, when Jesus places blame, it's not on the Scripture for being obscure or hard to understand. It's on the reader. It's on the person who is misunderstanding Scripture. So he says, for example, to Nicodemus in John 3.10, Are you a teacher of the law and yet you do not understand these things? Again, Nicodemus, the fault is with you. He tells the Pharisees, you are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. Problem? Pharisees didn't know the Scripture. Uh, They were much more concerned about knowing traditions. Uh, On the road to Emmaus, he even rebukes two disciples. He says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. So, again, the problem is with the disciples being slow to believe what the Bible says. He never says, yeah, the prophets were really obscure, uh, so I can see your problem. No, it's, it's oh, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. Um, sec- or thirdly, I guess, with the New Testament, uh, exhortations to read Scripture publicly also affirm Uh, an expectation that ordinary believers in ordinary congregations could understand the scriptures. Again, most of the New Testament was written um, as a letter to be read to a particular church, but a lot of times those letters were circulated among the churches, and the expectation was that they would be read publicly to the congregation. And so you have in these congregations, they, they weren't read just to the pastors or the elders of the church, they were read to the entire congregation. Again, the idea is uh, these are written in such a way that they are able to to be understood by ordinary people. Um, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4.13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Again, all of these, this letter letter that I've written you is to be read, read it publicly so that people can hear. And and the assumption there is that they'll understand. Uh, you can see also John 20, 30, and 31, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 13. There's more. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, these weren't just, these weren't business meetings that, that the epistles were read at. They were read to the entire congregation. Um, and so you would have adults, again, you would have children uh, and the idea is that the children would understand. Maybe not everything. There's probably going to be things that a child, a child would, ha- would not fully understand. Um, but there's probably things that, that adults fully don't understand. Um, and we're going to get to that too. Um, so Paul writes in Ephesians 6 verse 1. Parents, what does it say? Ephesians 6 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, I guess I should ask the kids to say that. But uh, So, again, Paul's writing this epistle to the church, and he directly addresses children. Children, obey your parents. Again, the underlying assumption in all of Scripture is that the, the meaning of Scripture can be understood. Um, And then again, kind of our theme verse, I guess. I didn't really plan this. I probably should have, but 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All Scripture is profitable for teaching. Again, all Scripture, not just parts of it. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, The Word of God is profitable, all of it. 
all of Scripture. And so, uh, again, for it to be profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, it must be uh, it must have the characteristic of clarity or be, or, or be able to be understood by ordinary people. Um, again, Scripture repeatedly affirms that, it's, uh, that it is able to be understood. And again, the assumption goes back to who God is. God is able to co- communicate clearly to His people. Um, he is a God of truth, and so He communicates truth, but He is also an effective communicator, and He's clear in the way He communicates. So, let's get to qualifications. Uh, again, uh, because I think the definition uh, really does need some qualifications, um, and you may be thinking of some before we even get there. Uh, first qualification. So, again, I'm going to start with sort of the definition. Scripture affirms that all, uh, that it is able to be understood, but then I'll give the qualification. Um, scripture affirms, first one, that it is able to be understood, but not all at once. Um, Understanding Scripture is a process. Uh, And we see this when we're commanded, for example, uh, to meditate on God's Word. Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Um, uh, Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. I mean, you need to be thinking about this, Joshua. Um, Psalm 1 referring to the blessed man, says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, again, the idea that we're commanded to meditate on Scripture uh, or, and encouraged to meditate on Scripture implies that, uh, that there is a growth in understanding Scripture. So the first qualification basically says, yes, you can understand Scripture, uh, but your understanding of Scripture is, is a process. It's going to grow. Um, you think about, um, uh, just as, as an example, um, I was thinking about this, uh, probably no one who preaches totally feels prepared when they get up in the pulpit. Am I right? Is, there's always more study you could do. Um, and and that's even if you're just not neglecting it. I mean, if you're, if you're spending your whole week preparing, uh, you, there's always more you can do. Um, yeah, I heard one a guy, one theologian who wrote a commentary on First Peter. He made the comment. He said, I took a sabbatical, a one-year sabbatical, just so I could study First Peter. And when I was done with First Peter, and I had to write, I had to turn in my, my manuscript, uh, I still felt like I wasn't ready. Uh, after a whole year of studying First Peter. Uh, so, you're, you can understand Scripture, but you're not going to understand it all at once. You need to understand it is a process, and you're going to grow in your understanding. And we also see this in prayers for uh, understanding, uh, in that praying for, like, Psalm 119, verse 18, the psalmist prays, "'Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from your law.'" Praying that implies that there's more I can learn, uh, again, there's the process. First, uh, Psalm 119.33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. So we're praying for a fuller understanding, and that comes through depending on the Holy Spirit, but also work, studying, um, digging into Scripture. Uh, Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Again, solid food is for the mature. Um, There are some things that we grow in in our ability to understand. We can understand the concept, but that concept is going to expand as we we grow in our maturity. Just a couple of analogies. Uh, One is, you've probably heard, is very common, uh, and some people refer to Scripture like the ocean. It's shallow enough for kids to play in, but it's deep enough that you could spend your lives diving down and exploring. Um, And just another analogy to help you think about this this. Uh, this qualification. You think about if you're, if you're driving to Colorado, probably better if you were walking, be a little more accurate. But if you're driving to Colorado, 
and you're going to the mountains. You know, several hours before you get there, you can see the mountains, and they're just majestic. You can see them. But as you get closer and closer, what happens? More detail, more beauty, more majesty. And so you see the mountains from a distance, but as you get closer and closer, as you progress toward the mountain, it becomes more majestic and more beautiful. Um, And so uh, just another analogy, Uh, you can understand the mountain is there, uh, but as you get closer to it, as you journey in your understanding of the Bible, it, it just gets more majestic. You can't plumb the depths of it. Um, secondly, Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood, but not without effort. Um, some parts of the Bible are more challenging to understand, and it takes time. Um, some of the doctrines are, are more challenging to understand. Uh, the basic gist of the Bible, we get it, we can understand it. Um, but there are going to be th- things that are more challenging to us. Uh, remember, sec- Peter writes this in Second Peter regarding Paul's writing. Uh, actually, turn there because I don't have it in my notes. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it, but I didn't put this one in my notes for some reason. Second Peter three fifteen. He talks about Paul's writings, and he says, uh, and this is not the first part I'm going to read it, but that's not what I'm, I'm thinking. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in, in, the, in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Uh, and I'll come back to that uh, twisting, but basically the point here is that some things in Scripture, some concepts, some doctrines are a little more challenging than others. Uh, it's interesting, Ezra 7.10 says, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Well, Ezra already knew the law, uh, but he set his heart to study it. And so he's taking the law and he's reading it and he's studying it. And, and, and the idea is, is that there are some things you're going to understand, but it takes some effort to get there. Uh, thirdly, Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood, but not without the reader's willingness to obey it. Ah, now we get to the heart of the matter. Uh, James 1, 22. I'm going to have you turn here too. James 1.22, James writes, uh, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So there is this principle in Scripture that you can deceive yourself by hearing the word and failing to do it. Uh, so there is a self-deception that can take place as we come to Scripture. And so, uh, yes, we can understand it, but we have to come to the Word of God with a heart of obedience, with a heart that says, God, I realize you're speaking to me, this is a relationship, and that I am to obey your Word. You, You are the one, you are the authority, you're giving me your statutes, you're giving me your Word, and so my heart is to obey uh, John fourteen twenty one. Um, Jesus says, "Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him." So there's this idea that not just having the Word of God, but a heart that is obedient to the Word of God gives you greater understanding. And that makes sense. Uh, If you think about this is really uh, the process of understanding Scripture uh, is is like the process of sanctification. It's a growth process. And so uh, when we come to the Word of God, we need to come and not just have the commandments, but keep them. And then Jesus promises here that He will manifest Himself to us. 
1 Corinthians 3. One through three. Paul writes, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it. So uh, we can be lazy, we can be uh, stubborn, and all of those things work against us understanding Scripture. Uh, Wayne Grudem writes this, the practical implication of this qualification is that Christians who begin to practice willful, repeated sin, and even or especially pastors and scholars, they will likely soon begin to lose sound judgment and interpretation and will become less and less able to understand Scripture rightly. So there's a connection with our obedience to correctly understanding Scripture or growing in our understanding of Scripture. Uh, Next, Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood, but not without the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, we've kind of already looked at the prayers. God, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from your word. Um, uh, Jesus said, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 and 45, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Uh, We looked at a couple of weeks ago, the uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, uh, we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to understand, uh, to understand some of the, what, what the Bible is saying. Again, you can understand the general principles of the Bible. You can understand the words themselves. But to affirm those words, you need the Holy Spirit. Uh, next, Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood, but not without human misunderstanding. And I think really the point here is uh, there's always the potential we're going to get it wrong. Again, the problem is not with the Bible. Clarity is a scripture of the uh, clarity is a characteristic of the Bible. It's not of the reader. We don't come uh, to the Bible uh, with with clarity, and what I mean by that. Uh, what I think Ruta means by this is that we bring all kind of assumptions and, and preconceived ideas to the Bible. I mean, Paul says in Romans 12, too, that we are to renew our minds, to renew uh, and, and gain a better understanding of the Word of God, uh, but we can misunderstand it. It can be misunderstood. It is often misunderstood. I mean, uh, back to the Second Peter 3.16, where he says, some people distort to their own destruction. Sometimes we distort Scripture purposely. Some people do. Uh, Hopefully not we. But some people do distort Scripture to their own destruction. Um, And we are sinners, and sometimes sin blinds us to truths in Scripture. Um, But we can also genuinely get it wrong. We can come to the Bible and... uh, through laziness or just not really being able, wanting to study or carelessness, we can, we can misunderstand Scripture. It's important that we're looking at the meanings of the words that, they're, that the Bible uses. Uh, there's meaning in the context. So we're looking specifically, if you're, uh, you know, um, one of my favorite verses to demonstrate this on is in Philippians because it, it, it happens a lot. You can get the words, sorry, goodness, you can get the words, you can see the words, and and you can give meaning to the words, but if you take those words out of context, you're misinterpreting Scripture, and um, you're going to know this one, Philippians 4.13, what does that say? Who, Who can tell me? 
Yeah, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, <clears throat> you'll see this verse on all kind of things. Um, I'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> in context, though, Paul's not saying I can do whatever I want to do because God's going to give me the strength. Paul is saying, look, if you look at the context, listen, I can go without, I can go hungry, I can suffer need, or I can be rich, I can have all of my needs supplied, I can do both of those things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, God, I don't care what I have, what my circumstances are as long as I have Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Uh, but if we just take that verse uh, and we slap it on a poster, um, you know, we're taking that verse out of context. So we can misunderstand the words. We can also misunderstand the context of a particular passage. So there's an immediate context. So a verse is surrounded by other verses, and that's a context, and we have to look at the whole context. But there's also the entire Bible, the context of the entire Bible. And so you might have an obscure passage over here, but it's really clear over here. And so we take the context of the whole because God is the author of it all. And so there is context, there's unity in the Bible, um, at least if you, uh, if you believed what I said last week. Um, there, yeah, I won't go there. But yeah, there's context of, there's immediate context, there's the context of the entire Bible. There's also context, the historical context of when the letter was written and to whom it was written. Uh, so there's things that we need to take into consideration, uh, but it is able to be understood. Um, but there are disagreements, right? I mean, there's a reason you're sitting here at a Bible church this morning and and not at some other church, probably. There are some disagreements. I have a very good friend of mine. Uh, I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot, but in college we were very good friends. He is currently one of the pastors at a Sovereign Grace Church, um, just north of Dallas somewhere. Um, and great guy. I mean, I believe genuinely loves the Lord, is passionate about God's Word, passionate about people, um, but we would have some disagreements over what Scripture teaches. Um, we would both agree that there's one correct interpretation, right? One correct interpretation. Uh, we would disagree on who was wrong. Um, of course, I'm pretty sure I know who it is. <laughs> uh, but there are some differences, and a lot of that... Uh, will just take time and prayer and discussion, uh, that, and that's what I think we need to be doing, having conversations, uh, and a lot of that happens with scholars. They write academic articles, and they're, they're debating texts going back and forth. Um, uh, next, Scripture affirms that it is able to be understood, but never completely, and I think if you think about this, this makes sense. Uh, because the author of the Bible is inexhaustible. You will never fully exhaust the knowledge of God. Um, therefore, His Word is inexhaustible. Um, you can spend a year studying First Peter and always feel like you need more. Uh, his wisdom is infinite, and so his word is infinite. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways uh, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is infinite in his understanding, in his character, in his attributes. Um, and so we'll never completely, fully exhaust the knowledge of the Bible. Um, you'll never get to a point where you think, okay, I'm done. I, I have the Bible mastered. You'll never get there. Um, so why do we need these qualifications? Uh, it seems like this doctrine's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, why do we need to have these complications? Uh, well, the word clarity is a little, can be um, misunderstood. 
uh, it depends on how you're looking at the word, and so that's why we add the clarifications. Uh, but think about this, the complexity of the subject matter. Uh, an infinite God communicating about himself and his purposes and all of creation. That's amazing. An infinite God who communicates about himself and his purposes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. It's going to be a little complex because God is, His ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher than our ways. Uh, Secondly, the value of relationship. Um, God delights to teach us in relationship with Himself. And so, uh, it's not just read it, there it is, but there is a meditation, there's prayer, there's a relationship to the author of this book. And he delights in that relationship. Isn't that encouraging? He delights in us studying and memorizing and meditating on his word. Also, there's a value of the lifelong process. I've kind of alluded to this, uh, but, but growing in our understanding of Scripture is part of growing in our sanctification. Uh, and one thing I've learned is that God is very patient. Um, we typically want to get things done really quick. Okay, let me, let me learn this Bible, move on. You know, uh, God is very patient um, in, in, our, in the sanctification process, and he is also patient as we uh, learn about him in Scripture and study and know Scripture better. So what are some implications? Uh, obviously, number one, the meaning can be known. Uh, so... Bible reading, daily Bible reading, should be a part of our whole lives. And when I mean whole lives, I mean all of our lives. Um, we should incorporate, if you're not already, we should incorporate a daily routine of reading the Word of God um, because we can know it. Uh, we should proclaim the gospel message because people can understand it. Uh, we can have confidence that when we proclaim the gospel, people will understand. Uh, we should counsel others from the Bible. We should teach our children the Bible because they can understand it. Secondly, uh, translation should be encouraged. Um, you, up until the Reformation, the Bible was only in languages that were inaccessible to ordinary people. Um, as one of the things that the Reformation did was take the Word of God and translate it into the ordinary language of the day. And so, uh, and many of them did it at great risk to their own lives. You think of uh, William Tyndale, you think of Martin Luther, um, you think of Wycliffe. All of those guys translated the Bible into the common ordinary language of the day. And they did that at great risk to their own life. And we are so thankful that they did, Right? I mean, the fact that we can have God's Word in our language is a result of the work of the men in the Reformation. And so, we should, translation should be encouraged. We should find people who don't have the Word of God in their language, and we should be working to translate it. Um, and that's, a lot of ministries do that. I'm thinking of, of Wycliffe in particular. I know there's others. Um, but they find areas where they don't have a Bible in their language, and we should work to translate it in their language. Um, third, Bible reading should be... Didn't I already do this? Yes, Bible reading. I've already done that. Bible reading should be encouraged, but I've mentioned that in, in, uh, in the first one. Uh, but we should be reading our Bible daily, systematically, and meditatively. And it's important that as we're doing that, we're praying, uh, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from your law. Uh, beware of interpretations of the Bible that rely on secret codes. You know, like every tenth letter in the book of Revelation will tell you when Christ is going to return. Um, that's not how God communicates. Uh, it's, it's clear. It's plain. He doesn't, you don't have to have a decoder to understand the Word of God. 
today, this idea is being challenged most... Uh, oh, I need, to, I need to stop. Today, this is being challenged by the idea that there is no absolute truth. And if there's no absolute truth, then there's no single meaning in any text. So if you accept the premise that there's no absolute truth, then there's no single meaning. And if there's no single meaning, where is the meaning? Well, the meaning is in the reader. The person engaging the text is the one who creates the meaning. And if you say there is a single meaning of a text, it is because you are trying to uh, rule over another person in some way. Um, you were trying to, uh, you're trying to uh, impose on them your own value system. Um, that is, that challenges the clarity of the scripture. Uh, the authors of the Bible frequently made arguments based on the assumption that there is one meaning in this, in this book. And so the idea, uh, what they relied on when they were arguing is there is one interpretation in the Bible. And so um, there is one interpretation. There is uh, ultimate truth, and it's in God's Word, and we can understand it um, with work, with help of the Holy Spirit, with an obedient heart. Um, we can understand it. So praise the Lord for that. Let me, let me pray, because I'm over time. Father, we do thank you uh, that you have chosen to communicate in a way that is clear and effective. Lord, and if there's misunderstanding on our parts, it's because of us. Uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be, uh, uh, again, just docile before you as we come to your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding. Uh, I pray um, even for Jason this morning as he's going to preach, Lord, that you would give him clarity as he does that. Um, help him to proclaim your word clearly and, and understandably. And Father, help us to obey. Help us to listen with hearts that want to obey your word. Uh, thank you for this time. Thank you uh, just for um, uh, this group of people who've come in here this morning just to listen to the truth about your word. I pray that you would bless us all as we go into this week uh, seeking to know you more. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.